0: Podcast brought to you by Super Chase, the last true chicken sandwich. On today's episode, Jay Billis of ESPN joins me. He stops by the podcast to talk all things college basketball, the Craig Smith hire, and he tells you a Rick Majerus story that will leave you laughing. I promise you that. I'll also take you around the Pac-12 MTE situation. We'll get you ready for the games this weekend and next week as the Pac-12 teams head out to their various MTE destinations. I'll run you through some of the big games this week that we haven't talked about on the podcast, Arizona State, San Diego State, and some of the others. But I wanted to also remind you that you can catch the Boston College preview that I did with Brian Ralph of Heat Check Hoops on our last episode, episode 13, wherever you get your podcast. Check that out and get yourself ready for the Utah-Boston College matchup the appetizer, if you will, to the Utah-Oregon football game on Saturday. All right, well, we are honored to welcome our next guest on the show, ESPN's premier college basketball analyst, attorney, co-host of the Ball Men on Campus podcast, and per his Instagram, Collegetown Burger aficionado, Jay Billis. Jay, did I get all of those superlatives correct and in the right order?
1: Close enough. Yeah, close enough.
0: (laughs) Well, it's great to have you on the podcast. And uh, let's start with the good news of the day, uh, that your colleague at ESPN, a man who's synonymous with college basketball, Dick Vitale, has been cleared to return to the broadcast table. You've got to be pretty excited for him.
1: Really excited. This has been a a long slog for Dick and and something you wouldn't uh, wish on anyone. But he's handled it so well, and, and the fact that he's healthy enough to, to come back is, uh, is a thrill for all of us.
0: Yeah, it's going to be great to hear him call some of these big games here this upcoming weekend and uh, into next week, is for sure. So we're roughly a week into the new college basketball season, a week, 10 days, and we've seen some big matchups already take place, Champions Classic, UCLA-Villanova, Gonzaga-Texas. What's been your big takeaway from the first week-plus of the season so far?
1: Well, it's kind of what we uh, expected, that it's an older season because there are so many returning players. So we've got a lot of players in new places because of the transfer rule. But, uh, and then we've got a spectacular freshman class, uh, so there's a ton of talent in the game. But it's been really refreshing to have fans back. That, that's that been the best part of it, is that uh, uh, the atmospheres are back to what we were used to pre-pandemic. You know, we're not suggesting we're out of the woods by any any stretch, but, uh, but really grateful for uh, the atmospheres being what we're used to.
0: Yeah, I was just watching the tail end of uh, Arizona State, San Diego State, and that was a wild scene. And it's been great to see that all across the country, for sure.
1: Yeah, it's the way it should be, and uh, and just the atmosphere to have fans back has been spectacular. So well, we hope it continues.
0: So speaking of the, the UCLA Bruins, are are you at all surprised at what we've seen from them in their last oh, eight games or so going back to last year, kind of being a middling to upper middling Pac-12 team, and then all of a sudden they've, they've vaulted themselves into being this legit top five team? Are, are you surprised at what Mick Cronin has done there?
1: I'm not sure I'd say surprised as much as I am impressed. I mean, last year they had a number of injuries that set them back in their development, and they weren't a very good defensive team throughout the course of the year. But that, that's what got them to the Final Four. It wasn't their offense. It was their, their improved defense. But to have followed it up this year and, and to have everybody back and to have added pieces, uh, you know, I was there for their Villanova game at Polly and, and it was a spectacular atmosphere. But, but they're legit. They're as good as anybody.
0: How important do you think it is to the overall health of the game and interest in college basketball that you've got two of the top teams, two of the powers residing out in the West Coast?
1: I don't know. I don't think it's necessary. Because the game is, is healthy uh, you know when you've got the, all the big shots uh, being good. I mean, it's important that Indiana's good and Duke and North Carolina, Villanova, all that stuff, and then the Big Ten teams. But it, it, it just makes it even better when you've got uh, you know, balance across the country. And, and to have Gonzaga continue to be dominant and then UCLA back in the mix where they're a championship contender, BYU's really good. Uh, Oregon should be really good they didn't play well against BYU but they're, they're, they they're should be very good so to have uh, a balance of power that goes across the country all the way to the west is awfully nice I mean, it's been 25 years since the Pac-12 won a title and uh, almost as long since the Big Ten's won one but uh, it, it's been more of an east coast midwest dominant uh, uh, sort of landscape of late and to have the west coast back near the top and at the top right now is good for the game
0: so that, yeah, that transitions nicely into what I wanted to ask you about next, which is kind of the perception of the Pac-12. What do you think that perception is right now? And can they build off of that big run that the conference as a whole made in the tournament last year?
1: You know, I don't know that it's perception as much as it is results. I mean, the, the Pac-12 for a number of years wasn't as competitive. And You know, people look, I grew up out west. I grew up in Los Angeles. So, you know, I'm sensitive to the idea of West Coast bias. I just don't think it exists. I think people pay attention to to teams that consistently win. And, you know, Gonzaga hasn't suffered from West Coast bias. They've consistently won and and have been rewarded for it. You know, it's not a perception issue with them. But the Pac 12 hasn't won, frankly, uh, as much as they should relative to other big conferences. So, Uh, They haven't had as many Final Four teams, and they haven't won a championship since 97. But this year, the league is is stronger than it's been in a long time, and and I think you'll see interest follow that.
0: Yeah, it it seems like it's a big opportunity for them to build off of, that's for sure. And some of these early matchups that UCLA is going to be in and... Some of these other schools, uh, certainly the opportunity is there for them to build off of it.
1: No question. And you know UCLA has played a really difficult schedule thus far. To have Villanova come in and, and they won that game in overtime. You know that was a big win for them. And uh, but but you know, look, whatever people think, it doesn't matter. They're legit. They're going to win. And, uh, but, but so much of it depends on the tournament, you know, you have to obviously do well in the regular season, but you know, the big 10 showed last year, you can be the best conference during the regular season. If you don't win in the tournament, nobody cares. And, um, uh, and they didn't win in the tournament. The Pac-12 did and they reaped the rewards of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. So switching gears on you a little bit here to, um, one of one of the big stories of the off season is name name image and likeness, which I know you've been a proponent of. Uh, but leave it up to the NCAA to put something in place and then kind of let it be the wild west. What are your thoughts on how it's been implemented and how it's going so far?
1: It's going great. Uh, there's really been no downside to it, and and you know when I hear wild wild west, I understand what what people are saying, but. You know, they're really referring to the wild, wild west that the rest of us live in, that everybody but athletes have lived in all this time. I mean, nobody says wild, wild west, when we're talking about, you know, coaches uh, making money or having, you know, they're not saying wild, wild west when the Miami job may be open and, and, you know, Lane Kiffin or all these guys that currently have jobs are going to be in play You know that's not the Wild Wild West, it's just when an athlete makes money, so I'm not worried about it, it's, it's shaken out just fine, and nobody cares, like none of the fans have turned away, it's not a problem, so uh, uh, athletes deserve more economic rights than they're getting, and they'll get them eventually, but uh, I think what this is going to show is that all the NCAA's rhetoric over the years uh, has been uh, one big lie
0: well, and it's yeah, I, I think you're right. And I and I think there's, you know, you're you're also going to see pretty quickly which schools are savvy on this and, and thought about it and help, you know, help the athletes in, in whatever ways they can. Obviously, they can't arrange deals for them, but and, and what schools are kind of trailing behind and that's going to be evident in who gets deals and how quickly and all of that stuff. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see where it goes from here.
1: Yeah, and it'll it'll be orderly and just fine. Like the economy works really well for the rest of us. There's no reason to think it won't work just as well for athletes. And look, it'll bleed into recruiting as it should because these players are valuable. You know, coaches are valuable, but players are more valuable. You you can you know you can't win without a a really good coach, but no coach can win without really good players. So uh, there's no question that this is going to expand. But the only hope the NCAA has of maintaining what they've had in the past is to get a, an antitrust exemption from Congress, and I don't think that's coming.
0: Well, and that leads me into my, you know, the, the other big story of, you know, the offseason the last two years, and that's the transfer portal. And in this case, we saw a guy like Chris Beard take a new job and then load up on portal guys to create, I, I don't want to call it an all star team, but it, it looks a little bit like an all star team. Um, now, it's that's an all star team that got thumped by Gonzaga the other night, but What are your thoughts on how the transfer portal is being used and, are you know, cynics are calling it free agency. Do you think it's working well or do you think that there's any challenges there that they face?
1: There are certainly challenges, but it, it's working well, because in years past, when you had players leave, you couldn't replace them right away. If you brought transfers in, they had to sit out for a year. So you might have to go through a year of really struggling until you got your transfers eligible. Now you can plug players in right away, and so you're not going to have as many down years, or at least you shouldn't. So that, that's a positive. Um, and player movement is a positive. Why should a player have to stay somewhere that he or she doesn't want to be just because you have uh, you know a, a transfer restriction that's, that's nothing more than a penalty. you know I think it's a good thing. The portal itself is not particularly efficient, but players being able to transfer and be eligible right away that that's nothing but a good thing.
0: yeah it's, and it certainly has made the you know this season interesting and I think we'll we'll continue to see that happen you know as it's it's hard for this sport to get momentum in the middle of football season but with all of these transfers and you know these big matchups early on people are tuning in I think and fans are coming back and it's a it's a real positive thing in that regard for sure
1: yeah the ratings are great the ratings have been great for football uh so you know all this talk about you know the NIL being a, a problem. It's not. It hasn't affected interest. In, in, if anything, it's improved it. Uh, and, you know, look, I get it. I mean, I'm an older guy, so I remember the way it used to be where uh, players stuck around for four years and you knew where everybody was. Uh, so every once in a while, you, you watch a team play and you go, hey, wait a minute, I thought that guy used to play in West Virginia. It's not, <laughs> like a, it's not like it takes you six months to get used to it. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, so... Overall, it's a good thing, and, and players should be able to move if they want to, and now they can.
0: One of the things that, that your alma mater will be doing for the first time since 1980 is replacing its head coach, its legendary head coach, and we've seen this at North Carolina where you know Hubert Davis has taken over, and, and here at Utah, we're now 17 years since Rick Majerus last coached here and haven't been able to get it right through three coaching hires. What do you think – Are the challenges, or why is it so hard to get it right on that next hire after a legendary coach?
1: Well, it's hard to win, period. So, you know, it it was hard to get it right when the the guys we're talking about were hired. You know, Rick Majerus, when he took over Utah, I mean, the last guy that killed it there was probably Jerry Pym. So, uh, it's not easy, but uh, the, that's part of the problem. You have coaches move on all the time. I mean, I'm sure Alabama, when Bear Bryant retired, thought it'd never be that good. And ultimately, to get Nick Saban, it's better. And uh, same thing at UCLA when John Wooden retired. I mean, we've had uh, Hall of Fame coaches that people, you know, Dean Smith at North Carolina, now Roy Williams. That's the natural order of things. There's going to be change. So when Coach K retired, John Shire will take over. Uh, other coaches will rise up and, and become the new icons. I mean, it, it, uh, the game will keep going. We'll, we'll miss Coach K and we'll miss Roy Williams, but uh, we'll move on pretty quickly.
0: Do you think that we will see once, say, a, a Jim Bayheim retires, do you think that we'll ever, you know, ever is a long time, but do you think we'll ever see the whole, you know, 30, 40 years at one school thing? For coaches?
1: Probably not, but I'm not sure I'm not sure we ever thought we'd see it before anyway. Um, I'm not I'm not sure like in the eighties anybody thought when a coach took a job they'd be there for thirty or forty years. That's extraordinary. You know, a lot of things have to happen for that to, to be the case. But you know, the coaches make so much money now, I'd be surprised if anybody stuck around that long because uh, they don't have to. But, uh, you know, if they enjoy it, Coach K and Bayheim have enjoyed it. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't stay this long. But will we see it again? Probably not. But I'm not sure that's such a horrible thing.
0: Well, and to the point you made earlier about the economy works for all of us, it's sort of the same same thing with coaches and jobs, right? They they like to move Jobs just like the rest of us. So why not?
1: Yeah. But I mean, you know, we're talking about coaches retiring and, and look, Roy Williams just retired at, at North Carolina. And when he made the announcement, you know, we had several days of sort of retrospective and thinking about, you know, how great he's been and what a difficult challenge it's gonna be to uh, to replace him. But, you know, when Carolina plays their games, the stands are full, everybody's moved forward. And that'll be the case of Duke and Syracuse, and you know, it's happened at Louisville, all these other places. It, 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 that's the way it goes. So, uh, you know, on one hand, you know, for those of us that have gotten used to all these guys, uh, they move on. And it's happened in the NFL. It's happened in Major League Baseball and, and every sport. Uh, that's, just the, that's just the way it goes. And, you know, Bill Parcells used to be the biggest deal in football, and he's out of the game now. And other coaches have moved in there. It'll be the same in college basketball.
0: So jumping back to the, the running Utes here for just a second, what did you think of the Craig Smith hire?
1: thought it was great. Craig's a terrific coach. He's done a, a great job, and I think he'll do a really good job at Utah. But, look, you know, every coach – you know, there are a bunch of coaches that are really good that go certain places. And maybe it doesn't work out for them. Nobody really knows. Uh, but but I think he's the real deal. But at the end of the day, it's, hey, how many games did you win? Uh, that, that's the way everybody's judged.
0: Well, right. And every every time you take a job or that he's taking a job, it's a step up in weight class. And so th- this is certainly the case in the Pac-12. And so he's going to have to have some time here to get some guys in and get his system running, but certainly he's he's a pr- proven concept uh, at at two other places. So certainly a step in the right direction, I think, for the Utes.
1: Absolutely, I think he'll do a great job.
0: All right, well, I'm gonna i'll I'll, I'll get you out of here on on this. You've been around the game a long time. Uh, you've seen a lot of things. You spent a lot of time with a lot of coaches. Did you overlap with Rick Majerus at all at ESPN, and and if so, do you have any good Rick Majerus stories to share with the the Ute listeners of this podcast?
1: Yeah, I did. I, Rick and I worked together quite a bit. Uh, I've got a lot of Majerus stories. Like everybody, <laughs> uh, he was a he's a not only a great coach and a great guy, but he was a real character and piece of work. And uh, one of the first times we worked together, we uh, we were working doing studio raps, they call them. So halftimes, pregame, and all that stuff, and and fills in between games. And uh, we had had done the start of a game, sent it out to the game, and Rick did not like wearing a coat. So he wore like a mock turtleneck and (laughs) a, a sport coat. And so as soon as we sent it out to the game, he took the coat off and he draped it over the back of the set. But the back of the set had these lights in it, and those lights get really hot and his coat caught on fire. And, uh, and so we had to put the fire out, and it luckily it was the back of the coat, so he had to wear that coat the rest of the night with <laughs> these big burn marks in the back of it and, uh, and the smell of, uh, of burning cloth the rest of the night. So I always, I always remember that, uh, that Rick actually caught his clothing on fire while working.
0: That seems like one of the quintessential Rick Majeris things to do right? Catch his clothing on fire while he's doing a studio show. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, it was pretty fun. And and we had just eaten. And then, uh, and then, you know, his coat caught on fire. And then at halftime, after halftime, he says, Hey, you want to go get something to eat? I said, Rick, we just ate. (laughs) (laughs) So he, uh, he, he was a larger than life in, in every way.
0: That's hilarious. That's great. Well, Jay, I really appreciate you doing this. Thanks for hopping on for a few minutes. You can, uh, you can listen to Jay, and who else is on that podcast? Seth Greenberg and who's
1: the, Ellis? And L- yeah, LaFonzo Ellis. Our, our payroll is on it.
0: That's right. All, all the bald guys at ESPN. Bald men, it's called the Bald Men on Campus podcast. Give it a listen. Uh, Jay, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, maybe we'll talk again down the road.
1: Look forward to it. My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Jay Billis, everybody. What a What a great guy. What an awesome guy for doing that. Really appreciate him taking the time for our little podcast here about the running Utes, get his thoughts on Craig Smith, get his thoughts on a lot of things in college basketball. Just really awesome. Really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll get to have him on again down the road. All right. Up next, I will take you around the Pac-12 MTE situation. Get you ready for this weekend's games and next week's games in the MTEs right after these words from one of our sponsors. Hey everybody, a quick word about RPT Utah, that's Registered Physical Therapists. These guys are committed to getting you back to work and play fast. Their skilled physical therapists offer a wide variety of services, including surgical, non-surgical, orthopedic injuries, spine injuries, headache relief, balance training, and women's health. With nine locations across the Wasatch Front, they've got all your physical therapy needs covered. Go to their website and schedule an appointment today, rptutah.com, that's rptutah.com. All right. Well, it is MTE season in college basketball. We've had a couple of games and now teams are running off to mostly tropical destinations or warm weather destinations, at least, to play a couple of basketball games to help the net rankings when they come out, help their Ken Palm rankings and build a resume for the NCAA tournament. As for the Pac-12 couple of teams are not in MTEs. Washington State elected to not do one. But I'm just going to take you here in alphabetical order and let you know what event they are playing in and what their potential matchups will be. So the Arizona Wildcats, they get started tomorrow in the Romaine main event in Las Vegas. They will open against Wichita State. And if they win, they would get the winner of Michigan and UNLV. Colorado is in the Paradise Jam, which takes place in the U.S. Virgin Islands. They open up tomorrow as well against Southern Illinois, and if they win that game, they would get Northeastern and Duquesne. On the other side of the bracket, you've got Creighton and Colorado State, who are the big teams there, and so some good matchup possibilities for the Buffs down the road, although they host Kansas and Tennessee, so it's not like they need big resume wins. Cal heads to the Fort Myers tip-off in Fort Myers, Florida. They will play the Florida Gators in their first game and then would get the winner slash loser of Ohio State and Seton Hall. Okay, so this isn't totally in alphabetical order. Arizona State's going to the battle for Atlantis. That starts on November 24th next week and they open against Baylor. They would get VCU or Syracuse depending on their result and then... A loaded field on the other side of the bracket as well. Michigan, Loyola, Chicago, Yukon, and Auburn. So some good opportunities there for the Sun Devils. The Oregon Ducks are in the Maui Invitational, or at least the modified Maui Invitational in Las Vegas. They open up against Chaminade, and then they get the winner-slash-loser of St. Mary's and Notre Dame. Houston, Butler, Wisconsin, Texas A&M are all on the other side of that bracket. Oregon State is in the Emerald Coast Classic. They actually had their on-campus game tonight against Samford and lost 78-77. So they're now 1-3 on the year. They play a game against Princeton before they head to Niceville, Florida. That's a real place. And they will open up against Wake Forest and then get LSU or Penn State. Stanford's MTE is not until the holidays. Over the holidays, they're in the Diamond Head Classic. BYU is also in that event. Won't review that for now, but Stanford is in an MTE. And then USC plays St. Joe's in the opening round of the Wooden Legacy. That's in Anaheim on November 25th. And then they would get San Diego State or Georgetown. UCLA is not in an MTE, but they have a a little four-team deal in Las Vegas next week against Bellarmine and then Gonzaga. So it's not like it's a tournament. They just play Bellarmine and then they play Gonzaga. Obviously the big rematch of the final four that everybody's looking forward to seeing. So not totally an MTE, but certainly an important one for them. Washington is in the crossover classic in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is actually an interesting event because it's a round robin. It's not a tournament at all. So they open up against George Mason, who just beat Maryland on the road and then they get South Dakota State, and then they get Nevada. So certainly some opportunities there for them to get some wins and against teams that are going to have maybe decent net rankings eventually in Ken Palm rankings as well. And as we know, the running Utes are heading to the Sunshine Slam in Daytona Beach. They get Boston College and then Rhode Island or Tulsa as we have gone over and over and over and over on the podcast Big game tonight in the Pac-12. Arizona State fell to San Diego State 65-63. It was a go-ahead floater by San Diego State to beat the Sun Devils. This was a real tough game, a real back-and-forth affair. Arizona State had a decent-sized lead at one point, but they couldn't hold it. They will head to the battle for Atlantis 2-2. Now Washington fell at home to Wyoming. 77-72, 77-72, Cal beat Southern Utah in their Fort Myers campus tip-off game. And Washington State, they won a road game at Idaho, the best 1-3 and three team now in the nation, for those of you who get that reference. 109-61. to So Washington State is putting it on some teams. And again, they don't have an MTE. They They hosted one against Alcorn State and Seattle, and maybe UC Santa Barbara was in that too. But Washington State, they've got some opportunities here. Their margin for error is pretty thin, but they've got Boise State. They've got Santa Clara. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes for the Cougars. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Running Hoops podcast. I want to thank again Jay Billis for the time that he has gave us on the podcast here and for his willingness to come on. I reached out to him on kind of a lark, and he got back to me right away, and it was great. Loved talking to him, loved having him on. Obviously a great voice in college basketball. Looking forward to the Utes game against Boston College this weekend. Remember, you can watch that on Flow Hoops. That's a $30 price tag that it's going to cost you to get that, and then you'll be able to see them play that game and the the Sunday game. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter, at Running Hoops. Subscribe wherever you can get a podcast. Download. Tell your friends. Until next time, I'm Andrew Crowley. This is the and Hoops Podcast. And as always, Go Utes!